0: TNT and Legos We're living life over here You are locked on fantasy basketball Your daily fantasy basketball podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network Your team every day hello and welcome to the locked on fantasy basketball podcast brought to you by basketball monster my name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia and you can find me on Twitter as always at Redrock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball today we are looking back at four games in the NBA in Thursday on Thursday but tons of big news as well injuries uh galore up in Toronto a bad injury for the Brooklyn Nets as well for us to talk about so we're gonna Cover all of that stuff off on today's show and then preview 10 games in the NBA for Friday. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it, to it. All right, let's get to it, indeed. The first game we look at is for Thursday. So we'll go through all the games and then we'll look at the injury stuff as well after that. The first game we look at is the Utah Jazz getting the victory over the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks. Of course, Mike Conley was out of this one, so Jingle and Joe Ingalls got another start 14 7 and 5 with two steals and two threes. He is a must roster player with Conley out, and I think that it will remain that way because they did decide to make that change to keep Ingalls starting. And O'Neill off the bench that half a game that Conley played. So he might he performs much better in that starting lineup. So you go and add Ingalls. Royce O'Neal provided the defense, three steals and a block. That's solid enough. And while Conley's out, there's a, a maybe 14-team league value there. While the Don Donovan Mitchell is Don. He's good. 30 points, five rebounds, five assists. For fantasy purposes, he's much better as a point guard in the past. That hasn't really worked for the Jazz. But with how Conley's playing this season, Him having the ball in his hands actually works a little bit better for them. So that'll be interesting to see how they uh, go through that. While Bojan Bogdanovic had 19 points on some poor shooting, his shooting percentages can be really wild in terms of the consistency there. While Gobert, 20 and 13. Now, the free throws were a disaster. 10 of 19, because those 19 free throw attempts is what really sinks you. But still three blocks, and overall, the line is really strong. As for the Hawks, they made a change to their starting lineup. And I think what this sets up is for them to start John Collins at center when he returns. They moved uh, Damian Jones out of the starting lineup and out of the rotation entirely with Bruno Fernando starting. They moved Jabari Parker to the bench and started Cam Reddish. So I think that we're so the starting lineup was Trey Young, Founder Pants Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Bruno Fernando. And I think we'll just get a straight uh, inclusion of Collins in for Fernando and leave Parker in that bench role and start that Reddish Herter. Uh, Hunter combination so that is some interesting stuff there now Parker absolutely blew up in this one 23 points for Jabari in 24 minutes 9 rebounds 5 assists of course it came on a true shooting of 68% 63% from the field so this is perfect for you to sell high on Jabari hey look they moved into the bench he's playing those 24 minutes that's what will happen when Collins is back he can still do it of course, he's not going to be this explosive and have 33% usage with a true shooting of 68% as we move forward. The fact that he is in a 23-24 to 24 minute a night role, that can be useful from time to time. But overall, I think the consistency puts him right at the back end of a 12-teamer. Probably more of a 14-team league guy if this is what his role is going to be. And it is what I believe his role is going to be as we... Um ...as we move forward. So that is... uh, It does give you that great opportunity, I think, to try and sell him off... ...if you do have him. Trey Young, 41 minutes. It's a lot of minutes for Young on a back-to-back. 30 points, 5 rebounds, and 8 assists. The shooting percentage was horrific. 32 from the field. That will come up, I think, when the Baptist returns. We're one game away from Collins coming back. Well, Cam Reddish, quietly, he's playing better of late. The the shooting has improved. He's not as destructive as he was. He is not a must-roster guy by any stretch. But he is an interesting 16-teamer, for sure... Uh, 14-teamer, maybe. 14 points in 35 minutes, two triples and three steals. One of the things that I didn't like about him coming out of college necessarily, but when we looked at him and looked at his translations coming out of college, well, he shoots the three ball at a really high volume and he gets steals at a pretty good rate. You can be a three-point guy who gets steals and if other things come around, his passing's been better, that's useful. So that makes him an interesting guy to watch. And I reckon if you put him and Hunter in equal minutes, you might actually get more value out of someone like Cam Reddish. So he's definitely a 12-team watch list guy. And a sixteen-team must-add, and yeah, available in ninety percent of Yahoo leagues. In in fourteens, he's sort of on the border there. Fan Pants, you know my thoughts on Kevin Herter. 17-4-2, three triples and a steal. He's a 12-team league guy. While DeAndre Bembry re-entered the rotation at the expense of Vince Carter, 20 minutes for Bembry. Um, yeah, look, he's not going to do a huge amount for the season, but that's interesting for deeper leagues. While Fernando had 4-6 and six in 17 minutes, wouldn't be surprised to see him move into the backup role and then take those Alex Len minutes who had 4-4-3. Four, four, and three. As for Hunter, foul trouble got him. Five points in 23 minutes, but you know that I don't think that he is a very good fantasy option, and he is more of a 14 team league guy, even in the big minutes that he usually gets. The next game that we'll take a look at we've got the Lakers and the Bucks. Big win for the Bucks here 111 104. Anthony Davis. um, This is really not good to me from the Lakers in terms of coaching and injury management. Davis was questionable entering this game. Frank Vogel had some comments saying that basically the pain hadn't changed from when he heard it. It hadn't improved. Uh, and, and there's a couple of things to, to mention here. I feel that this is pretty dangerous for Davis. And I think that in large part, he is heard everyone bitching and moaning and complaining and yeah, posting Mr. Glass gifs and pictures of people shoveling money into fire. So he is going to try and play through situations when perhaps he shouldn't because he wants to prove how tough of a guy he is and how, no, he's not injury-prone. I think that's a legitimate problem because he played the entire second half here, 43 minutes, in this game on a bung ankle that was bothering him, and the coach, look, he's he's pushing through it, but the coach needs to, to pull him out here. They still ended up losing by seven. Now, his line was great, 36-10 and 10 with five assists, one steal and, and three blocks. It didn't impact his overall production, but what it could impact, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, Does this lead to a potential other injury down the track? I think it's a real worrying sign. I could be completely wrong with it, but I am certain that there is definitely... Sorry, I am am certain. I'm not certain, obviously. I believe that Davis is out here trying to play, play down these situations or push through them, sometimes against the medical advice because of a narrative that exists about him, and I just hope that nothing significant comes of it. LeBron had a triple-double, 21-12-11, and 11, although the field goal percentage was Well, Dan Green, massive from Danny. 21 points on seven threes. Don't overreact to this. We've seen how bad he's been most of the season. He is a 14-16 to 16 team league guy at best. He is still unbelievably rostered in 50% of leagues. KCP had 18 points in 34 minutes, while it was a real stinker for both Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley. Rondo still has that same appeal as an assists guy. Caruso also stunk in this one. Those three backup guards were quite rough. For the Lakers, it's not a great matchup going up against Milwaukee. Really, for anybody in the league, but that was uh, it was rough for those three guys. I wouldn't be surprised if KCP just holds this starting spot down ahead of Bradley for the rest of the season. Bradley's been rough for three years, pretty much. Uh, KCP's been pretty bad himself, so it is a bunch of guards who have struggled for years and years and years trying to fill up those uh, fill up those minutes. Of course, doesn't help the Kyle Kuzma's out meaning that he can't push down to the wing, but his start to the season has also been pretty rough, and the Lakers have been playing through and wing on the back of Davis and James. With Davis back, Howard and McGee, they weren't able to influence the same uh, level of production that they had in that game prior. Nobody is surprised about that. Yanni Antetokounmpo is shooting over 40% on threes in December. He hit five of them here. He had 34-11-7, a steal and a block, and even the free throws, 7-10, of 10, that's not too bad. The fact that he is taking threes... Uh, confidently, and making them is massive. And he's, I think, at about 33 or 34% for the season. And there was, again, like last year, just because of a real rough start of like you know, 10% over a stretch of period of time. Uh, and now it's making up for it, exactly what happened last season. I don't know why he starts a year so slow. Can we expect the same sort of uh, free throw regression as well? That's a possibility because that happened last year where he couldn't hit free throws, and then he was really strong down the stretch. That's something to monitor. While Brook Lopez, 33 minutes, 10 and 4, four steals, three blocks. The shot still wasn't there, 38% from the field. This is why I highlighted him as a buy low guy because he was never going to be that guy that continued to shoot 30%. And still, while it's a marginal increase, it is good to see these numbers improving and I think it will continue to get better for Lopez. George Hill apparently is the best shooter ever. 60% on threes in this one again. 21 points. While Eric Bledsoe is out, he does have value. An absolute guaranteed 14-team league guy, but a solid enough 12-teamer. Well, the big Ragu, Dante DiVincenzo, now he didn't shoot that well. Five points on seven shots, but six rebounds, six assists, two steals. I like him as a 12-team league guy. Wesley Matthews probably had his best game as a member of the Bucks. He had 13 with three triples, two assists, two steals, and a block. I'm not overly excited about him. He's more of a 16-team. Well, Chris Middleton got into some foul trouble. Wasn't the best night there for mids in this one. Let us go on to the next game, the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs get the big win in the end, 118-105. Let's talk about Spencer Dinwiddie, though, who was unbelievable. 41 points, a career high in 34 minutes, four triples, Five assists, usage absolutely out of the ass. Forty-six percent usage for Dinwiddie. Um, nine of ten from the line. He has been unreal since Kyrie returned. When Kyrie, was oh, sorry, since Kyrie has been out at the start of the season, he was bad when Kyrie was there. How those two interacted wasn't good. I don't know how this all works out. Will he get traded away? They're not going to minimize Kyrie Irving. They're not going to come in and say, Kyrie, you now play the 26-minute Spencer Dinwiddie role. That is just not going to happen. You can have as many arguments as you want about how good Dinwiddie's been and the team is better with Dinwiddie. And at some times, I might actually agree that, yeah, Dinwiddie has actually made this team look better at times, but they are not going to play 27 minutes a night of Kyrie. And the way they used those two together at the start of the season didn't work. Now, that could work. It could change. I don't know if Dinwiddie's getting traded, but if they traded Dinwiddie... His absolute premium price on the market. I just don't see what they're getting back there. I just think it's going to be... Now, I don't know when Kyrie's coming back. Maybe it's a month. It's getting to that stage where we just have to ride out the good times with Dinwiddie. And then if in February he's the 120th best player, which is a real possibility, we just got to go, oh, well, he got us this far. I think that's maybe what happens. Jarrett Allen was great, 19, 13, and 6. He's taken so many big steps forward this season that I'm glad that we're not seeing a 24-24 minute split with him and DeAndre Jordan. Jordan still is capping his ceiling, but it's been a massive improvement. Where was this from Jarrett last season? If he actually played this well as he did last season, they never would have even brought in DeAndre Jordan, and we'd be getting 34 minutes a night from Jarrett Allen this season. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince continues to be terrible with his shooting. Nine points, but the rebound's consistently high. Two steals and a block, Nice, while well, Garrett Temple, 34 minutes, 10 and 3. Three steals, two triples, a nice bounce back outside of the fact that he shot 17% from the field. Of course, when Karis LeVert does return, that is going to have an impact on Temple. But with the injury to David Nwaba today, he should be able to maintain minutes in the low 20s. Now, as for Nwaba, a torn Achilles tendon that, of course, ends his season. This is horrible news from a bloke that everybody likes. Great uh, great teammate. Great defensive type player. Has his struggles, but he was shooting the ball pretty well this season. He was getting about 15, 16 minutes a night. Now, who's going to get those? You'd think that Baby Neck will be able to absorb some of that playing time. Wilson Chandler. Temple gets some of it. Of course, Levert comes back. And then you've got guys like Jean and Musa or Rowdy Rodion's Kuruks. And Timotei Lawawu-Cabro, who's been playing at the moment. I don't know why we got 22 minutes of Lawawu-Cabro today when he was 0-5, but he has been playing as well. But the one thing I want to talk about with Nwaba is that we keep seeing this. Nwaba was questionable to enter this game with an ankle sprain, played, and Tory's Achilles on the exact same area. Now, we saw it with Kevin Durant, with his calf strain leading to an Achilles tear. We saw it with Rocket Rodney Hood, with an Achilles soreness leading into an Achilles tear. We saw it with JJ Barea, who said he had some Achilles soreness before he's Tory's his Achilles. I'm not saying that these medical staffs are, are being negligent, but there is a real problem here with players having these injuries. Now, ankle is not your Achilles, obviously, but it's not far bloody off. Like, it's right there. It's the tendon that's at on your ankle. So the compensation-type injuries, like Durant with his calf, lack of stabilization leading to these problems, it's a real concern that these things continually seem to happen. That you have an injury, you play through it, and then you bang it and you're out for the year. Even John Walt didn't happen in a game, but he had that surgery on his heel, and then because of the surgery on his heel, he was walking around and slipped and tore his Achilles. So many of these Achilles injuries are because of destabilization around that area, and it's something we really have to watch and be careful with, because um, it's just happening too often now. I don't know what the solution is, but it is something that's definitely happening. Smoking Joe Harris, uh, 9 points in 29 minutes, 7 rebounds. Just didn't take any shots. 10% usage, I guess, because Dinwiddie was taking every shot. But they need to get Harris more involved in that. Well, DeAndre Jordan still rostered in 73% of leagues. I've got no idea why. The 11 rebounds are fine. That's great. He took one shot. He's not enough minutes. He's the inferior center. There's no reason for him to be rostered in that many leagues. Rostered in more leagues than Joe Harris, than Torian Prince. That is insanity to me. Onto the Spurs. It continues to be an absolute minefield in terms of trying to navigate what's going on here. The minutes, the crossover between Dejounte Murray and Derek White was not there. 16-5-3 for Dejounte in 27 minutes with three steals. Derek White, 13-5-3 three with three steals and a block. Both guys shot unbelievably well. They both played well. But until Popovich, and I think he's just too stubborn at this point to do this and something else I'm going to talk about in a second... Until he does it, like it's so hard to get excited about one. Like, I think Derek White is really good. He's a definitely a top 100 guy in a 30-minute-a-night role, and he should have a 30-minute-a-night roll. I think Popovich is too stubborn to do it. Bryn Forbes is no good. He's not good. Simple as that. Six points in 22 minutes. Can't hit a shot to save his life this season. So for all his spacing that he provides, he's actually doing nothing. Paddy Mills was great here. 27 points with seven triples. That's not consistent enough. He's obviously not the future of this team as much as I love Paddy. It's so hard with White at the moment. Look, we know if he gets 28 a night, he's a 12-team league guy. But my hopes of it happening, they're gone. Like, I just don't think it's happening, unfortunately, until they make a switch and then he plays 28 and Dejounte plays 20. Like, that's the sort of shit that's going to go on, I think, with this team. Aldridge had 20 and 10 with four blocks, a great game from him. While Jakub Pertal continues to be really, really good. And if there's any sort of injury to Aldridge and he has to come in and log 28 a night, he's a guaranteed top 100 guy. He's a guy that I liked from a few years ago. It's really significant you know, fantasy upside. But this situation is just shitful. It's really not good at all. And that's the concern. They started Marco Ballinalli at power forward in this game. Now, I'm not a massive fan of an aldridge front court. The lack of shooting is a real problem. But Ballinalli? Same thing goes here with Lonnie Walker. The fact that we're getting these 10 minutes of, of Trey Lyles and, and we're getting you know, Lonnie playing just 14 minutes... He wasn't that good, Lonnie Walker, in this game. That's fair, four and six. But I just get the feeling that Popovich is just never going to allow him to get these minutes this season. It just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. And that's going to be the worry there with him. So he's rostered in 2% of Yahoo leagues. I'd have him in all 16s, no worries. But again, like a Kevin Porter, a guy that does really flash with people because he can score in bunches, but he just lacks in so many areas. If he can string a couple of big games together in a row, I would be really inclined to sell him in a dynasty league. He's going to play more than this at some point in his career. I just don't think the overall hype behind Lonnie Walker from a fantasy point of view is going to stand up to the test of time. We'll see that though. The drip only had the uh, four points here in 14 minutes on some poor shooting numbers, but at least he did rebound at a strong rate. The Spurs, that's a big win from them, but they continue to be completely confounding and confusing in terms of how those rotations get used. All right, on to the last game of the night now. The Rockets get the big win over the Clippers on the road, 122-117. Russell Westbrook was fantastic. 40 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. He's the first Houston Rockets player not named James Harden to score 40 since Kevin Martin did it. And the thing about Westbrook at the moment is he has fixed his free throws. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a permanent thing, but 12 of 13 from the line here for 92%. Like, that is one of those things that not only free throw percentage, it impacts the free throw percentage category, but it impacts your overall overall scoring. And he has got that stuff figured out. Over the last month, he's the 18th best player, shooting 83% from the line. He's at 77 over the course of the season. He's the third ranked player over the last two weeks, averaging 89, 89% from the line, averaging 27, 8, and 7 with two steals, and shooting 53% from the field. And it's not coming on an unsustainable three-point shooting, 29%. That's never going to change it, I think. He's hitting his twos, he's hitting his uh, free throws, and he looks a lot better than what he did even to begin this season. So that is great news if you have Westbrook or if you're a Houston Rockets fan. Harden had 28 points with 10 assists and 5 triples while Capella, 16 and 8 with 4 steals and a block. Pretty strong there. Double-double from uh, P.J. Tucker. He had 2 blocks there as well. There's rebounds, they just fluctuate so much with P.J. that it is hard to get a full read on those. Of course, he's just more of a steals and threes guy. While Dan House, 35 minutes, 10 points, 5 assists, one of his better games. But the upside is really limited, and when Eric Gordon does return, that's going to eat into that further. He's a 14-teamer. Ben McLemore's not a 12-teamer either. 8 points in, 22 for Ben. On the Clippers, Paul George was great here. 36 and 9, two steals, two blocks, 52% shooting, six triples, unbelievable stuff. While Paddy Beverly fouled out and then also got ejected. 10 points, seven assists, and four steals. He is a 12 team league guy that's available in a lot of spots. It doesn't necessarily have to be for your team, but he can help a 12 team league uh, roster. Landry Shamet hit four threes, had two blocks, which is uh, obviously. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. He really should just be looked at as a moderately sized lead guy and a streamer for threes, while Kawhi had 25 and 9. The table won Trez Harrell had been pretty quiet, but 75% shooting for 19 and 6. will get you back on track with a steal and a block, of course, when his minutes go up. That means if it's a Zubats, minutes go down just 15 there for Zubats, while uh, Mo Harkless just the 16 minutes as we got a lot more of other guys, especially Shamit. Now, Lou Williams ejected as well. He only played the 17 minutes. and That does help Shamit get the, that, that extra playing time that he, that he got and took advantage of in today's game. Let's go through some injuries now because, of course, big news in uh, Toronto. We'll get to that in a sec. DeAndre Ayton is going to be out for Phoenix tomorrow with an ankle sprain, so you can fire up your Aaron Baines's, fire up your Dario Sharichs and your Frank Kaminsky's. There's streaming value in all of those guys. While Cam Johnson has a hip problem, really worried here about Johnson because this is something that caused teams to t- take him completely off their draft board, these hip and back issues, and now it's flaring up. If he is out, that's, again, more minutes for Bridges. More usage for guys like Oubre. Potentially a bigger role for Sharic there as well. Now, for the Raptors, some bad news. Three players out indefinitely. Now, yesterday I talked about Gasol being out for multiple weeks. We've seen that with a Hammy. That was always going to happen. Norman Powell with his shoulder injury, a shoulder subluxation. He is going to be out multiple weeks. He missed six weeks with the same sort of injury last season. So, I think we're looking at you know, three to four for Gasol. Four to six for Powell would be my guess. Um, I think Gasol's a drop with a four-week injury. Powell... Yeah, who knows how that's going to go with him. He was obviously rolling, shooting a really high percentage. I think it's really tough. Yeah, Gasol, Gasol's clear that hes I think he's cooked. You, you move on from him. Um, I think if it's six weeks with no IR, it's pretty tough to hold on to someone like Powell. And then out of nowhere, to hit us like an absolute ton of bricks, Pascal Siakam is out indefinitely with a groin injury. Now, I had no idea about this one when we did the show yesterday. But this is a massive, massive blow for this Raptors team, who are losing three starters. Now, we don't know if Fred Van Vliet's going to be back. We imagine he'll be back pretty soon. But this is rough. Like There are a lot of opportunities opening up here. So, immediately, the must-roster guy is Serge Ibaka. Like, that's, and there's no-brainer decision about that. He was trending towards a drop anyway, as was the Jedi, Oji Ananobi. Hello there. But with these injuries, they are both absolute must-rosters in every league. Ibaka, Ananobi, done. Now, what we saw when Gasol pinged his hammy, that we got a lot of Rondé Hollis-Jefferson minutes and barely any Waterboy-Chris Boucher minutes. But... With Siakam out, Boucher has to get minutes now. And on a permanent basis, when you stack Boucher and Hollis Jefferson next to each other, Boucher is the guy that you want. Even if it's a 28-minute situation for Rondé and a 22 minutes for Boucher, Boucher is going to be that guy to get. So we look at a Barker, We look at Ananobi. Of course, Van Vliet's a must-roster guy. And, and Lowry's usage is going to go absolutely through the roof and watch his field goal percentage, but it's going to go through the roof. And then is there a risk of injury with him? That's, that's something else we've got to worry about. But Boucher... Uh, yeah, so Ibaka, Ananobi, Boucher, Hollis Jefferson. And then you get someone like Pat McCaw, who was already seeing mid to high 20s in minutes uh, with Van Vleed out. So he'll just keep running with that. And then if Fred misses more time, you're going to get more. Now, he's not a great option. He's more of a 14 to 16 team league guy. And that's where Terence Davis fits into that situation as well as a 14 to 16 team league guy with this power injury. Now, if Van Vliet misses time, then those guys might step up to be short-term stream 12-teamers. But basically, what we'll see is Van Vliet comes in and he plays the power minutes. So what we've been seeing from McCaw and Davis at the moment will just sort of continue on. We might get a one-game, two-game crossover with both no Norm and no Fred, and that'll give that boost to those guys like McCaw and to Davis. But basically, from what we've seen recently, it's a straight swap, Powell out, Van Vliet in. So that's, it's not great, obviously, long-term. Now, Siakamon, we just don't know a time frame on this. I, I would guess I would guess at this point, two weeks, we, they said stretched groin, which sounds like I should be doing this. Giggity. But I don't actually know. There's no diagnosis. It's, like, it's not a medical term. It's not a real diagnosis. So we don't know what that means. You would have to think that him being ready for Christmas is in danger. That's a week away. I don't think we see him again in 2019, Siakam. And then, yeah, maybe it's a six-weeker. I don't think it will be. I think we're looking at six for Norm, three for Gasol, and two for Siakam. But it could be longer. Out indefinitely does not mean out long-term. It just means we don't know when. But the disturbing part about the press release is they'll be assessed on a week-to-week basis. That's not a short-term situation. So I think we've got to think minimum two, maybe even three for Siakam. It's definitely a big worry for all these injuries here for Toronto. But opportunity opening up for a bunch of these other guys. Again, Ibaka, Ananobi, Boucher, Hollis Jefferson, McCaw Davis. McCaw Davis for deepers. Hollis Jefferson sneaks in maybe back in 12-teamer. And Boucher's a a 12-team ad as well at this point. So some pretty bad injury uh, reporting or injury news that came out we also got some positive news. I guess that Eric Gordon is looking to return pretty soon. Might be around Christmas. Might be before. Might be after. He's going to be back. Do not burn a waiver ad on him for a 12-team league. Do not burn Fab on him. He was not a 12-team league guy before the injury. The... The Russell Westbrook factor means he's not going to be a 12-team league guy for the majority of this season. He is not an ad. He's just going to have an impact on House. He's going to have an impact on McLemore. He is not someone that, man, I've got to go grab Eric Gordon. I don't see him as a top 100 or top 120 guy for the rest of the season. And then, of course, the bad news about Nwaba, which we covered earlier. Torn his Achilles. He is done for the season. Minutes there go to baby neck. Maybe Theo Pinson gets in the mix a little bit more. Timotei Lawabu-Cabro. Jana Moussa, Radio, Radio on's Try again. Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks could also get those minutes there, but not much that's going to have too much of an impact on fantasy basketball. Let's go to DFS now. We've got 10 games coming up on Friday. We're looking at DraftKings pricing for these games. All right, the first game we're going to take a look at for Friday is those tricky Sacramento Kings. They're going to take on the Indiana Pacers. Both Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren have popped up on the injury report with questionable tags. Jez has the sore groin. Tony Warren has an illness. If those guys are out, well, it is absolute chaos because you're going to have to get big minutes from the holidays. Uh, Aaron, uh, Justin... They're going to get big, big playing time there. Maybe even uh, Edmund Sumner comes in the camp. Can he get some uh, minutes there? He's not really too much of a DFS option, but Aaron Holiday would be an absolute explosion type option. Well, Jazza would have some interesting value there as well. Now, just so you don't get confused, Jazza is Justin. Jazza is Jeremy. So Jazza Jazza in, Jazza out, Lamb for Holiday. So there's so many confusing names on this team. Of course, there's all your TJs. There's all your Holidays. Anyway. If Warren is out, I think also Dougie McDirt could get some extra playing time. He is real hit or miss, although he has been, to his credit, way more aggressive this season. So bigger games from him aren't completely out of the question in this sort of scenario. For the Kings, who knows what the hell Walton's going to do in terms of Bagley and Holmes and uh, Bogdanovich is on the injury report with an ankle ankle issue. They've been limiting him as well. If he is out, then, oh my God, Trevor Reese is going to have to play minutes. That should be fun for everybody involved. Uh, for your point guards, Malcolm Broggo Brogdon's at six seven thousand seven hundred. I love that, especially if either one or of Lamb or Warren are out. That should be an absolute monster for uh, for Broggo. Well, Darian Foxy Fox just ridiculous in his first game. Backdrop thirty seven points. Uh, in that one uh, at seven thousand bucks, that's really really hard to ignore for Foxy Tony uh, Tony Timothy John of course Timothy John McConnell at three thousand nine hundred he is going to be able to smash that number if one of those two guys are out. In fact, at the moment he's already playing twenty minutes a night and twenty two points a night and the thirty nine hundred give him twenty five minutes a night. That's a twenty six twenty seven point eight, which gives you that real value at three thousand nine hundred as Holiday at forty three, we'd smash that at a pretty high rate if those guys are out. At shooting guard, Jez Lambs at 48. Well, he's been trending down anyway, so I wouldn't want to get too interested in him. While Budrick Heald is at 64. His first game with uh, Foxy back didn't work all that well. Just 23 points in 29 minutes. And that's a bit. a big reason why salaries come down by $800. He'd just be a tournament guy for me. Bogdanovich, I'm not interested in. Well, Justin Holiday at 4,600. Uh, give me his brother over him any day of the week. But at 4,600, there is some tournament value. But they have elevated that salary for Juzza up by $1,100 a small forwards, you got Tony Warren. He's at four thousand nine hundred. If he happens to play and Jez Lamb is out, then that is a really nice price for Warren. Um, Forty nine hundred at twenty seven last game. Look, his upside does get capped because his inability to do too much else apart from score, but there is value in that sort of a salary there for Warren. And then you got McDirt at thirty six. Should be a tournament guy in the absence of those players. While well, the pencil, Harrison Barnes, Barnesy. Uh, Barnsley's at 5,300. With all those guys back, I would fade him unless Bogdan is out and then that's going to give more opportunity for Barnsley. Maybe they get him involved with bench units a little bit more. For your big men, Demontis Sabonis is at 8,400. He feels like he's a lock for 40 almost every day, so I'm I'm big on him. Rishon Holmesy Holmes is down to $5,000. That last game, he had 29 points Uh, with some defensive numbers. It's really, really hard to get excited about him with the way that Walton is running things while Marvin Bagley at 5600 only for tournaments because we just don't know how they're going to use him. While Miles Turner has been playing much better of late, staggering him and Sabonis is working. At 5300, he's giving us 31 and 9. Hey, if I get 30 plus at 5300, that's absolute value. There is always the risk that it's Miles Turner and he could completely disappear, but there is at least marginal appeal now that they are using him in a different way. The next game up, we've got the Memphis Grizzlies and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Grizz are one point favourites on the road. The total is 224. Grayson Allen is questionable at point guard. The Padawan, Colin Sexton's at 5,500. I love that value from Sexo, averaging 29 over the last five. It's a good matchup for him. He's going to take shots. Upside might be capped, but a massively strong floor. While Darius Garlo Garland's at 4,500. Yeah, hard to get too excited about him. D'Anthony Melton at 46, just a weird absence of him um, last game uh, for Solomon Hill to play. That was uh, confoundingly dumb from Taylor Jenkins. This matchup is really, really positive for guards, though, going up against the Cavs. We know that. You could throw Melto, the wave pool, into a tournament. But uh, I think the upside is a little bit limited here with how they're using things. Ja Morantz at 78. The matchup is sensational for Ja. He's like a 37, 38 guy almost every night. 7,800, bang, lock it in, let's go. Uh, For your shooting guards, Jordo Clarkson, 4,400. No, Kevin Porter Jr. is at 39. His numbers have been down a little bit lately. I'm not super invested in getting him involved. While Brooksy at 4,900. Brooksy's been giving us 25 a night. He can always have that occasional turd burger, which, you know, yeah, shits in your soup, but the upside value of a thirty-five point guy at forty-nine hundred, yeah, that's that can be a useful option. Maybe, maybe more for tournaments though. Small forge, Chetty Osmonds at thirty-nine hundred, really good from him last game. I trust that absolutely to no degree. Same with Jay Crowder, and then on to your big men. You got Tristan Tomo Thompson, six thousand one hundred. Yeah, been relatively consistent the last couple of games. Thirty a night. I'm not super keen on him. I think the upside is low, and there is that chance that a real stinker comes up, but I don't mind him as a cash guy. Nance is one that you can fade the shit out of, while uh, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. is at 6,800. Last couple of games have been a bit down, especially last game where he got into significant foul trouble, but this is, again, a pretty strong matchup for Jacko that I think at 6,800, there is strong, strong tournament value. Brando Clark at 56. He is on an absolutely dominating role at the moment, and I wrote this in my Yahoo article today. Over the last, sorry, let me rephrase. In the history of the NBA, for rookies playing 20 minutes a game, minimum 20 minutes a game, that was a filter I used, I just chucked 20 minutes a game, he has the highest true shooting out of literally any rookie ever. And that was astonishing to me. It's like 70%. The second highest rookie was Mitchie Robinson, but, uh, and third was Jackson Hayes. So it's all happening in, the, in recent times. But yeah, he also had out of the top 15 players the highest three-point attempt rate of those highest true shooting guys, equal to Arvidas Savonis in his rookie season. So just massive stuff here from Brandon Clark. The Muppet, John Henson, no thanks. Kevin Love, uh, who, who knows? 50 points, 20 points. Tournament's great because at 7,000, that's pretty cheap. But man, it's so hard to get a read on what he's going to do. While well, Jonas Valanciunas at 6,900. Giggity. Um, look, he's been better the last couple of games. I have a limited amount of confidence in Jonas at this point. Let's move on. The next game up, we've got the Detroit Pistons, the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are eight-point favorites. The total is 214.5. Marcus Smart is out with what must be the worst eye infections of all time. Um, The duck, Luke Kennard, is doubtful with his knee soreness. Blake Griffin is doubtful with his knee soreness. It is the first game of a back-to-back. I expect both of those guys to play on Saturday, but this could be an absolute disaster. Now, if Haywood is out, you're going to get Shemi Ojale most likely starting and most likely doing nothing. For your point guards, Langston, Gallo, Galloway, 3,300. Now, in these situations where guys like Canard and Griffin have been out, Galloway just gets force-fed a ton of minutes. He's at 3,300, a really, really low score. Can he drop 30? Of course he can. Can he drop four? Maybe. In fact, El called. He let me know that maybe Langston should get this one. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Yeah, we missed that one with uh, the Chief out. So Galloway is that, but at that price, there's al- there's almost no failure, failure. Maybe. It's pretty gross, though, to look at him and rely upon it. I love Derek Rose here at 6,000. That's a really strong option. Uh, Kemba's at 8,300, who has been unbelievably on fire. That would give me an element of pause, except for the fact that it's the Pistons. And we've seen guards put up big numbers, unless Bruce Brown just makes it his mission to really lock him down. And that that is a concern. As for the Shark himself, 5,100, I think that Brown at 5,100 is really, really a good option. Now, he he was bad last game, but again, these absences are going to allow Brown, whose usage has spiked recently, to have an opportunity to put up numbers. At shooting guard, Jalen Brown's at 6,900. Giggity! That's better. Um Great game from him last time out, 41 against the Mavericks. Uh, if Haywood's out, I'm way more interested in Brown here. While Spee McKay, look at minimum salary. They might have to give him minutes. With all these injuries, we might need to see uh, some bigger minutes for Svee. I'm not massively into him outside of tournaments. Tone Snell, never into it. At small Ford, Gordo Haywood's at 62. Now, if Haywood plays, I think 62 is worth looking at. I think we'll fade it at this point, though. And then on to the big man Drummond's at 9,600. No Griffin. He should absolutely smash the big avocado. He had 52 points last game in his first game back from his own eye issues, while Mark Heath's at 5,000. And with Griffo out, and I forgot to mention the crucifix Christian Wood is also out with an injury. Mark Heath is going to get 30 plus, and he should provide great value at that salary. You've got Vanilla Tice at 41, Ennis Kanter, Thon McCare, not interested in any of those guys really at their current pricing. The Washington Wizards and the Toronto Raptors, I talked about it earlier, but the injuries to Toronto, and we don't know the status of Fred Van Vliet for this one, makes it really, really interesting. Flaming Mo Wagner is out for Washington as well, so they're going to have those opportunities, and you're going to have an opportunity to get Onjek's Posechnics into a lineup. Um, for Toronto, no Siakam, no Norm Powell, no Marcus Sol, and if no Van Vliet, that makes this lineup an absolute yeah, d- real disaster option, but massive, massive DFS ability or opportunity here. Uh, let's look at the point guards. Lowry's at 8,500. He had 58 last game. He feels like an absolute lock to get involved just because of how many shots he's going to have to take and minutes he's going to have to play. We have to like Lowry here. Thomas is at 5,100, Isaiah Thomas, that is. I think that's a pretty good option as well. And then you've got Terence Davis at 41, who I'd really be interested in only if Van Vliet happens to be out. Now, with Powell uh, gone, I think we're going to get more Pat McCaw into those minutes. We're going to get more Davis, but the option there, if Van Vliet is gone, then Davis is going to have to step up and play 20-plus and really be an option. Ishmith's at 5,000. A lot of minutes last game for Mish. Wasn't the greatest production, but he still can be a 27-point type of a player with all these injuries for Washington as well. At Shooting Guard, Beal, 91. Love it. Abs- absolutely love it. Um, Van Vliet himself, sorry, 7,700. It's a pretty high price for Fred. Uh, we don't know if he'd be on any limit coming back from the knee injury. Uh, that would might make him a bit of a fade sort of guy to me here. Troy Brown's at 5,200. He's been around that mark. I don't know if he's really got enough upside, but I think he's got a, at least enough of a floor value to consider using. that Bonga, Garrison Matthews, He that's a real player. And Malcolm Miller, not really guys that I'm keen on. The Jedi. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. 5,600 for OG Ananobi. No, Norm Powell. No, Pascal Siakam. He should absolutely smash through that number. I like him quite a bit. Patty McCaw's at 39 now. He is uh, a do nothing player, if I've ever seen one. But at 3900, he's going to have to play 30 minutes. He's going to have to take shots. I think we have to look at him as an option as well. And that's yeah, pretty where we was pretty sad state of affairs. Jarvis Bertans is at 6,900. He's going to be taking plenty of shots for this Wizards team. So I like Bertans here as well. He sort of fades into the background of the value in the other spots. The water boy, Chris Boucher. Only six minutes in that game that Gasol went down. He went, oh, that's a bit weird. But now with Siakam down, he has to play. He just has to play. 3,300, you got to use him. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 41. He has to play as well. He's going to get close to 30 minutes. Got to love him. Serge Ibaka at 7,400. Yes, they bumped his salary by 2,400. I do not care. He should still beat that value. So Boucher, Hollis-Jefferson, Ibaka, Ananobi, Kyle Lowry. Value right across the board for this Raptors team. For the Wizards, their two centers are Mahinmi and Poshesniks. Now, Poshesniks had 20 points last time and Mahinmi had 23. And then 47 for Mahinmi and 42 for Poshesniks. I'm not actually sure there's much value in those guys. All the value seems to be coming on that Toronto side of the equation. But definitely some weird, weird stuff going to be happening lineup-wise in this matchup. The next game that we're going to take a squeeze at, the Dallas Mavericks, they take on the Philadelphia 76ers. No Luka Doncic. The Sixers are eight-point favorites. The total is 213.5. And along with Doncic... DeLon Wright and Seth Curry have both appeared on the injury report. DeLon with a finger issue, and Curry with low back tightness. Now, if those guys are out, you're going to be firing a lot of your uh, Jalen the burner Brunson's value up. Timmy Hardaway is going to have to take shots, and whether he hits them or not is up to him. But he's going to have that opportunity. And then you're going to have guys like maybe it's Ryan Brokoff who comes in, plays 10 minutes. Justin Jackson will play 20 minutes, but he is very Tony Snell-like. Although he occasionally can have big scoring games, making him an interesting GPP guy. Assuming those other blokes get ruled out, KP Chris Asporzingas is going to have some big numbers as well. we'll soon just um, and maybe even Dionne Finney Smith has to take shots. Some real big injury type situations going on here at point guard Ben Simo Simmons. Seven thousand nine hundred for Simo. I really, really like his floor value here. To- uh, ceiling maybe not that big, but the floor value is great for cash. Well, the burner Brunson's at six thousand four hundred. He should absolutely smash through that. He had thirty six last game, and there's no reason he can't do that again. Seth Curry was great last time out at 4,900. Again, that back issue is probably a little bit uh, caution-inducing. And the fact that his big games have come on some really hot, unsustainable shooting makes him a little bit of a fade type of a guy here. The other guy who could get some minutes, of course, is uh, Jose Juan Barea, who is at $3,000, absolute minimum. We know that he can occasionally have these big outbursts. I wouldn't discount him from having a 25-point game. DraftKings points, but 25 points. Uh, shooting guard, Richie Richardson, five thousand six hundred for him. He had thirty-five points against the Heat. Love the low salary. The matchup's pretty good. I think Richie is absolutely a guy. Who remembers Richie Richardson? The first bloke that ever wore those Greg Chapel hats, but with the stiff brim and the uh, and the d- dyed to match the team. I'm pretty sure he was the first guy, and then followed on by guys like Mark Ward. If you understand anything about what I'm saying, then I uh, I obviously know what country you come from. Um, Richie Richardson there at five thousand six hundred. Plays well against Dallas, plays well in general, has been quite down with his shooting, but I do like him here in this one. Timmy Hardaway's at 53. You know the drill. But even now with these injuries cropping up, I think we almost have to think he's going to get that floor value with significant tournament upside as well. The painter Matisse-Liebel was pretty bad last game. He's at 3,200. Not a great DFS option. Uh, while well, Toby Harris at $7,100. toby has been a little bit under that value lately with everyone back on this Sixers team. It is harder for him to get to that number, but he's not a bad option. I think he's got a relatively safe floor as well. Mike Scott, no thank you. Justin Jackson, minimum salary. I talked about him already. If he gets you 24 points, which is really a possibility if these guys are out, then that is real, real value for you. For your big man, Dwight Powley Powell at 3800 I actually don't mind that for Powell. That is just such a low price that it takes nothing to actually get to value there. And again, if these other guys are out, not that they necessarily play the same position, but it means guys like Jackson and Finney Smith need to push down to the three a little bit more. Guys like Hardaway need to push down to the two more. And that opens up more of those minutes for Kleber and Powell and Porzingis to take all of those front court minutes, which could actually give him yeah, 20, 22 points. He had 21 points last game, and that's enough value at 3,800. Horf is at 6,300. I'm not massively into that one. While Joel Embiid at 10. He's giving us 51 a night. You cannot complain about 51 a night, 58 a night over his last three. In fact, that is at 10,000. We absolutely love that. While Paul Zingas at 85, also just cranking the usage out at a um, at a really, really big level, 8,500. We have to love that with uh, Donch on the sideline. Maxi Kleber, yeah, probably not someone I'm massively into, although that opportunity could uh, present itself for him. Let's go on to the next game. We're looking at the New York Knickerbockers, the Miami Heat, the Pat Riley Bowl. The Knicks are underdogs here by 10 points. The total is 214. Goran Dragic is likely to return. Justice Winslow is out while Julius Randle and Frank Nilakina both appeared on the injury report, although they have been upgraded to probable. Uh, Alonso Trier is questionable with uh, a concussion, not that he's been in the rotation anyway. At point guard, the iron shoulder's at 5,500. He was playing really well before that injury, and he was putting up numbers that would make you say that's a good value play there. But given the nature of the injury, the groin issue, he's an old man, I'm not massively going to get into him here. Rowan Barrett Jr.'s at 57, big from him against the Hawks, 39 in 29 minutes. The Heat are a completely different situation, so that would lead me to say no thank you. While Kendrick Nunn's at 65, the dragage factor is is a real one. Now, if dragage does get ruled out, that uh, puts Nunn right back into it, but that is a $500 increase from where he was, and he had 42 in 41 minutes, and the fact that Winslow's still out does work in his favor, but that's pushing a little bit too high, that price for me. Frankie Nilakina, no thank you. While Lord Alfred Payton's at 55, and we had the three-point guard rotation back for the Knicks, which just pissed on the value of all three of those guys. Be a shooting guard, James Butler's at $9,000. Because he's my butler. Um, he's just deferring so much, and that's fine. It just doesn't mean that at 9000 at the moment, in a game that could be a blowout, it's probably too risky. The Spur Dunk Robinson's at forty-eight, only for tournaments because it just requires him getting hot. And same with Tyler Hero at 51, who was really good last game, had uh, 31 points, and the absence of Winslow does help him, but Dragic returning puts a little bit of a spike in what he can do. For your small forwards, Derek Jones Jr. at 47. He's got 30 minutes a night the last two games. Winslow out helps him. Um, Defensive upside is huge in terms of steals. He shot the ball well last time. Forty-seven hundred is not a bad value, and I actually like the the matchup for him. While Marcus Morris at sixty-three, Morris's numbers have been a little bit down, averaging twenty-eight over the last three. I think he's not bad, but fifty-seven I'd be way more into it. Sixty-three is okay. I think there is pretty limited upside though there for Morris. The Fort Kevin Knox actually played well against the Hawks. I don't know that I'd want to get into him two games in a row, so that's probably a fade. At the big men spots, Julius Randle at seven thousand one hundred, playing better under Mike Miller. 39 a game under him, which at 7,100 is absolutely fine. No problem with him. Well, Mitch Robinson, will he take it from here? And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. There you go. He said it. So he had 45 in the last game. Staying out of foul trouble generally. They're using him a little bit more. I, I do like him at that sort of salary. Well, my mate, Bam at a bio. Bam! He is just on an absolute tear, 52-point average over the last five games. That is a monster. Now, that salary is huge. He is a lock for an all-star, I think, now. I, I can't see how we uh, debate it. I should go through it and go and give my uh, all-star reserves at some point, which I will do. Um, yeah, I think he's in, and I like him at that sort of a salary. Alinek, Taj Gibson, Punch Bob, Myers Leonard. Hard to get too excited about any of those blokes. Next up, the Phoenix Suns, the Oklahoma City Thunder. DeAndre Ayton back for one game, and he is out with an ankle sprain. That is unfortunate for him, but that means that Frank the Tank Kaminsky, it means that Aaron Bainesy baines they get boosts in their value. We don't know if Devin is going to play. If he is out, then we get big lots of Kelly Oubre. We get Ravishing Rick Rubio. We get McCall Bridges all jumping up into that area. Tyler Johnson's back after missing a couple of games. He's trash. But if Booker is out, there could be some minutes coming for Meth Curry. Um, Cam Johnson also in the injury report is questionable. That's really concerning, as I mentioned earlier, uh, because he did have those hip problems coming into the draft, leading to some teams to completely eliminate him off their draft board. Phoenix ignored that and picked him at pick 11. At point guard, Chris Paul is at 7,600 because he is really good, and he is giving us that value most nights. I love it here. Gildas Alexander, 6,900. So many 6,900s on the slate. Uh, Shea really bounced back last game. I'm not super keen on using him here, though. Well, Dennis Schroeder, um, just shooting unbelievably. Usage through the roof as well. At some point, it's going to drop off. 6,200 feels like it's a bit too high, so I think I'd fade him. Well, Ravishing Rick, if Booker is out, Rubio at 7,300. Let's hit the music, actually. Because it is that hot here that my mouth is drying out when I'm talking, because it is, if you didn't know, it's like the yesterday we had the hottest day ever, ever recorded in Australia, and today's hotter, it is 44 degrees here today, it's, uh, it's 111 Fahrenheit, and some places, I know plenty of listeners uh, who live out in rural South Australia for some reason, it was 50 degrees Celsius yesterday. That is middle of the Saudi Arabian desert type uh, temperature. It is an insane hot day here, and I am absolutely baking under these uh, under these studio lights that I'm recording under. It is an absolute insane day here at the moment, and um, and yeah. So I'm yeah. You know, if I have a heat induced uh, confusion, that is the reason. Where the hell was I? Booker, 8,400, hand injury, shot might not fall. Not keen on using him here in this one. At, uh, if he is out, you get guys like Javon Carter or Ty Jerome. They can all push up, but it's more Bridges the guy that we want to look at in that scenario. As for McCall, he's at 4,900. Shit the bed last time, 15 points in 26 minutes, but he can be better than that, especially with and out. They might need to go to him a little bit more. Uh, Terry Ferguson, cool. Uh, at small fort, Ubray's at 6,700. I like it, and I love it if Booker is out. Um, Dario Sharic at 53. He gets a reprieve. He had 18 points in 24 minutes last game. Eight and out helps him, not because he's going to play exclusively centre. Because Frank Kaminsky then goes and plays exclusively centers. that means more minutes, especially if Cam Johnson is out. They have to go heavily into Sharich, and that 5300 that would make him a really good option for your big blokes. Uh, Noel's at 4000. Not keen. Bainesy 42. Baines versus Stephen Adams, the Battle of New Zealand. Yes, Aaron Baines was born in New Zealand. Then he moved to Australia because he, he uh, knew it was a better country. So he came across there, but they are going up against each other. Steve Adams at 6,100, I actually like quite a bit. And I love that Stephen Adams quote from yesterday that the first time that he'd, uh, yesterday was like the first time he'd worn a suit in seven years. And I am, I completely, I wear shorts literally every day of the year. I don't wear shoes. I wear you know, sandals or, or thongs slash flip-flops. I wear thongs as well. That's just a comfort thing. So, I completely feel, Steve. Winter, shorts all the time, open toe shoes. I hate wearing closed toe shoes, absolutely. Hassan Whiteside, I apologise, but closed toe shoes. The Way too many tangents here, I apologise. Frank Kaminsky, 5,700. Absolutely love him with 8 0 out. Uh, he's putting up big numbers. Now, he can't hit a layup to save himself, but he's just going to get force fed shots. He's averaging 35 a night anyway, so at that price, I think you got to look at Frank as a pretty good option to play in this one or to put up good numbers in this one with eight and out again, which is just a real bummer. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Denver Nuggets. No spread out for this one at this point, unfortunately. Um... Because Carl anthony Towns is not playing. Now, he looked pretty dire the other day. They were talking about how bad he was moving around. But now the report is that he's actually moving around pretty okay. So there is a chance that he plays if he is out. Then Gorgie Jeng steps up into that role. He becomes an option. Andy Wigo-Wiggins gets a step up. We had Jarrett Culver miss last game. So their whole rotation last game was really all over the shop. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray's at 6,600. He dropped a real bomb last time, 42 in that game. Uh, I think the matchup really does suit. Uh, Muzz here in this one and I think he can exceed that sixty six point mark or six sorry sixty six hundred dollar price point. Uh Farton Will Barton, he was bad. He still had twenty nine points. So that's that's the sign of a guy that can put up some big numbers and the matchup's great for Bardo here. So I think at sixty five he is a really, really strong option. Colver's at thirty six. Um before his illness he was averaging nine points over the last three games, so safe to say I'm not keen there. Big Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. Your name is Jeff. He's at 6,100. He shot about 2%, I believe, in the last game. Prior to that, he'd been on a roll. I think it's 6,100 if we do hear that Cole was out. I'm not, not, oh, I'm not far off on Teague. I think there's some value there. And if Towns is out, it does help because it does boost his usage there. Monty Morris, Shabazz Napier, Malik Beasley, no thanks. Andy Wiggins is at 8,000. I actually like the floor value for Wigo, and I think he can go through it if Towns is out. Gaz Harris at 46. No! Yeah, maybe. Look, he's been low 20s, which is fine. But there's no upside in it, and I'm not even sure that's as safe as a floor option, so it's not really doing it for me. Josh Okogie's at 42, not interested in him. For your small forwards, Mick Porter and Keita Bates Diop, no thanks on those guys. And then Bob Covington's at 58. Now, he was benched last game for a violation or for being late to a team meeting. I imagine he's back starting, but you know, coming off the bench didn't hurt him. 36 points in 30 minutes, 5,800, strong value if Towns is out, because that might actually force him to take some more shots. Then on to the big man, Paulie Millsap, 4,600, really only a tournament guy, but if they get 28 minutes out of him, he'll beat that number. Um, but we just don't know how they're going to manage that at this point. Uh, Big Chungus is at 9,400. Nikola Jorkic, I like that quite a bit. While Towns at 10-8, I wouldn't want to use that with uh, the uncertainty with his knee. He does have a really good record against Chungus, averaging 61 the last three times out against Denver. Jez Grant's at 43. Nah, no, thank you. Mace Plumley, Gorgie, Jeng would only be interesting... If Towns is out, he had uh, 25 in 24 minutes last game. Give him 30 minutes, he'll get 28, I imagine, which gives him value at a $4,900 price tag. The next game for us to look at here on this big, big slate, the Orlando Magic and the Portland Trail Blazers. The Blazers are three and a half point favorites. The total is 216. John Isaac not on the injury report after complaining of hamstring cramps last game, so that's good news. Well, it's a me, Mario Hazonia. It's me, Mario. Um, he's probable to play as well. At point guard, Christian James McCollum, 6,800. He's in the middle of that hot streak. Knowing when to pull off is is important. Giggity. But yeah, you know, I think at this point we can consider him an option. The reason I would be a little more cautious with him today or in this game, depending on when you're listening, is the Orlando Magic defense, which is obviously pretty strong at limiting opponents. Markel Fultz is at 4,900. With how DJ Augustin's playing, it's a little bit harder to get excited, but his minutes have still been fine. Just the usage has dipped down somewhat. But at 4,900, I think he's got some GPP value. Simon's at 36, no thank you. Lillard's at 88, love Lillo at that price. He should be a 50 point ish type of a guy. While DJ Augustin at 47, on an absolute roll. Can it continue? I have significant doubts. But he's taking shots away from Terry Ross. The minutes are up. Um, yeah, I don't think it's the right one to go for, though. Bazemore's at 48. That's a strong no from me. And then on to Fournier at 62, who is struggling with the return of Vucevic. At small forward, Mallow's at 5,900. Now, Mallow is giving us numbers every night. He scores, he shoots badly, he gets defense. He's doing lots of weird stuff. And at 59, I find it really hard to steer clear of Mallow at that sort of a salary. Aaron Gordon, I can very easily steer clear of him at at 6,300. Maybe he has a good game, but the odds would tell me that he doesn't because he's not that good. And that's just the way things are gone. While Johnny Isaac's at 65, his numbers have also decreased a bit. I think we can fade off on that one. For your big men, Nikola Vucevic, 8,148 average against the Blazers the last three times. Centres have a good time of it against Hassan Whiteside. 8,100, I am in on Vuce here. I am also in on Hassan Whiteside, who is averaging 47 points over his last five games. And at 8,400, he hasn't been the world. Fact, don't tell anyone, but he's actually been okay. That's he's he still has some mind-numbing performances, but he's been pretty good lately. And again, I I can shit on him as much. Yeah, you know, half of it's for jokes, but I can shit on him plenty of times. But he's been good, and yeah, you know, that's that's just the reality of how things have been going. Mo Bumbers at thirty five hundred. I don't really think you need to get too excited about using him with Vooch back in action. The last game of the night before I pass out is the New Orleans Pelicans and the Golden State Warriors. The Pals are one-point favored. They broke their losing streak last game. The total is 225. The triangle, Eric Pascal is probable with that hip issue that uh, has been limiting him. He came off the bench last game. I imagine he'll do the same, and the minutes will be down once more. Draymond's at 6,500. It is an enticing price, but I'm not ready to go in there. I much prefer D'Angelo Russell at 8,300, who had 46 last game. Yeah, you 40-point know, performance here should be the expectation. Alec Burks at 54. Really like what Burks is doing. 30 a night, pretty much consistently, so I like Burks quite a bit here. Lonzo's at 53. He's giving us 26 a night despite bad shooting nights and low minutes. I'm not massively into him here, but the numbers have still been all right at that salary anyway. Well, Drew's at 8600. At some point Holiday shot's gonna have to go in. I don't know when that is, but at some point it is, and when it does, he'll be a 55 point type of player. That makes him a tournament guy to me. That shooting guy Josh the Hitman hearts at 55. I don't really see the appeal there. Damo Lee's at 4000. I do see the appeal there, especially if we hear that he's gonna start. I believe that he will start over the triangle, and play high 20s in minutes. Uh, Glenn Robinson, the little dog, not too interested there. JJ Redick at 54, tournaments only for him. And then on to small forwards, Brandon Ingram, 8,700. This guy is killing it at the moment. No matter what's happening, he's putting up numbers. I'm really into him in this sort of a matchup as well. Kenny Williams is the opposite of me getting excited. Eric Pascal, no thank you. And then on to the big blokes, Derek Favors at 51. Allegedly, his minutes restriction is going to be eased off a little bit here. I'm not going to get involved with him for a tournament. Oh, sorry, for a cash game. For a tournament? I imagine that no one will have him in a lineup, so maybe we'd, we get some benefit there, But and then it's only a real dart throw. Coley Stein, no thank you. While well, Jackson Hayes at 47, uh, pretty limited last game, and in fact had Jilly Locafor come in and take some of his minutes, and when Jilly Locafor's taking him minutes, it's not good. Speaking of not good, Kavon Looney out of the rotation last game. Marquis Chris and the Wizard Omari Spellman getting those minutes. I just don't think there's any reliability in any of those guys. ...for this situation. Let's go over to the old Fan Jewel. Have a look at some value plays. It's dominated by Raptors. Again, Boucher, Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis, Van Vliet, Yabaka. We also like Drummond and Langston Galloway and Markeith Morris with the injuries in Detroit. The Jedi, OG Ananobi, the Shark, Bruce Brown, Vooch and Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas, Markel Fultz, Bags... Mark, Marvin Bagley, that is, and his Cancer comes in okay on Fan at sub 4,000. Embiid and Kaminsky and Derrick Jones... Davis Bertans and Alec Burks. Also some pretty good fan jewel options. I'm off to have an icy pole. Um, I don't know what you guys call it over in America. And an ice pop, I don't know, something. A frozen iced confectionery to cool myself down. Uh, subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Leave a comment down below. Give me a thumbs up. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. CJ Miles.